0: Wanna see you with show sure could treat you right give me just a minute of your time all... welcome back to the march towards march Nolan did you take a peek at the date today it is officially March 1st it is which means the regular season's coming to an end the conference tournaments coming up and then after that it is the big dance the big dance so, coming off of last week,
1: who we got is the big team of the week. Big team of the week's got to be Houston. They're on a five-game win streak uh, against two top ten teams, led by L.J. Cryer with 15 points a game. You know, everybody on that team scores. They all do their share. Um, they're a really dangerous team. Uh, but but really, Houston's calling card, and what has always been their calling card, has been their defense. Um they have nine guys who average over a a game. So.
0: That's really impressive. I mean, around March, that's all you really can rely on. You can't rely on the ball going in the basket every game. You can't rely on your shooters being able to make shots every game, but
1: what you can rely on is, is defense. So that's really nice to hear from the Cougars. Exactly. They've got some great guard play by guys like Cryer, and and with that defense, I mean, they've got to be a team nobody wants to see. Uh, definitely, definitely. Definitely be a 1-2 seed.
0: Um Probably one if they if they keep up what they're doing right now. Uh, going into player of the week, we kind of couldn't really make a decision this week, so we have two. We, we
1: do have two. Uh, first one is Zach Eady. Obviously, most people know him. He's the, probably the most dominant big man, arguably the most dominant player in all of college basketball consistently. Um, but he's averaged 27 points the last three games, including a 35-point and 15-rebound performance. Uh, I mean... With his size and his strength, there's really not much you can do. So, so games like this are honestly kind of common for him. But um, you know, Purdue dropped a couple, but getting back on track and Zach he's the reason.
0: I mean, obviously, if you're if you're a if you're a coach going against Purdue, you that's all you really have to plan for. You have to hope that. No one else on Purdue really has a day, but I mean, Edie's just your main concern every
1: time. Yeah, I mean, he's he's usually gonna you know get his, he's gonna get his points, rebounds, putbacks, and stuff like that. But there's only so much you can do against him. They're, being at that size, yeah, he's just too good. Uh, second, we have Arizona guard Caleb Love. What do you what do you got on Caleb? Uh, he, I mean, he's just a pure scorer. You know, people kind of maybe learned about him. At North Carolina a couple years back when they made their their run, and he's kind of matured a lot uh, since transferring to Arizona and kind of come into his own. Um, He had 28 in the win over Washington and 27 in a a close loss to Washington State. Um, He he's become really a good all around player. He's kind of become that leader for Arizona. uh, He's a junior now and. He he's doing some great things for the Wildcats.
0: I mean, he's a great scorer, but also a great facilitator. He runs their offense so well. And that's what makes Arizona a really dangerous team, too. They're going to be scary coming down the road. Exactly. When you can score like they
1: can. I mean, they can beat anyone. Yeah, definitely. All right, time for the biggest riser. Who we got is our biggest riser. We got Utah State. Um, they've won three of their last four, including a big win against San Diego State, Um you know this this actually jumped them twelve spots in the AP top twenty five all the way up to number twenty two. Overall, they're twenty three and five. They've done obviously great work this past week to help their seating. Um, uh, with six foot eight, two hundred fifty pound forward from England, his name is Great Um He's leading the way for them at eighteen points, three assists, and nine rebounds a game. They're um, obviously a dangerous team. This this big, this was a Big win for them I mean I I think His parents were predicting something When they named him great I mean they had to have Averaging almost a double double 250 pounds is a big big man That's a a big boy That's a big boy Not many people can match up with that I mean I I know I've just Came to mind But a matchup between him and Edie Would be Very fun to watch It would be uh, It would be Obviously Edie's got A lot more height on him But I mean weight class, and just overall strength. I mean, Osobor is right there with them, so that that would be a fun matchup. Uh, where do you think Utah State's going to be seated around, if you could guess right now? If I could guess, um, I know they're a 22 seed, but really just for quality of wins and kind of strength of schedule, I, I would probably put them around that, like, six to eight seed range. Yeah. You know, I feel like that's usually where teams like Utah State fall, just because of um, – you know, their conference they play in and stuff like that. Definitely. So, Daniel, I got to ask you, who's our biggest faller? Biggest faller, unfortunately, is
0: FAU. Uh, They have lost two of their last three to unranked uh, South Florida and unranked Memphis. I mean, being a team who made the Final Four last year and was among the top-ranked earlier this year, they have uh, progressively just fallen throughout the year. I mean, they – aren't as dominant as they were last year, but, I mean, they still
1: have a chance to to turn some heads. Exactly. They still have that maturity on their team from the, a lot of the guys that were there last year. You know, John L. Davis. Um, basically, I mean, when you have a guy like John L. Davis, who's 6'4", 205, averaging 18-3 and 7, and shooting 45% from three, you've got a chance to win every game. But coming into the season, uh, preseason ranked as a top-10 team, they haven't fallen off the map, but they definitely have just, progressively fall into teams that originally they should not have lost to and maybe that's a sign they're not quite the most dominant team that we thought they would be or they're just kind of still figuring it back out yeah but i think FAU definitely has a chance to
0: to make a little run if they if they can find their groove again
1: um so moving on who's who surprised you this week it's got to be Wake Forest um they're 18 and 10 um, you know, not the best record in the a- a- ACC, but uh, they picked up a big surprise win uh, this weekend versus Duke, led by Hunter Sally, who scored 29 points on a super efficient 11 of 13 shooting. Um, obviously, Wake Forest, if you've been paying attention, they've kind of been right on that kind of uh, bubble bubble line as far as bracketology goes. And, you know, this is definitely a signature win that they've been missing. They hadn't beaten a top 25 team yet. This season, um, and a, a, a win against number eight seed Duke is is big to get them on the right side of that bubble.
0: Speaking of that Duke game, that leads us to our next uh, talking point, which is, what do you think about this whole up uh, That was terrible court storming thing that's going on around college
1: basketball. Um, obviously, I mean, there's a lot of perspectives and angles to take at this. <coughs> Obviously we're referring to a Kyle Filipowski Getting uh, Injured after the game Walking off the court Getting hit by some Wake Forest students Running on um, You know Rolling his ankle But uh, Thankfully we can say He is back in healthy Playing for Duke again So, so that's all good Nothing too serious But still um, There's been a lot of talk Around college basketball About if uh, Court storming Should be allowed or not And Um You know, what are your thoughts on it?
0: I mean, it's really a fun... Like, college basketball is all about that experience and that atmosphere. And the fans and the students, obviously, are the main part of the atmosphere. So, originally, I wasn't against court storming, but I think you got to wait a little bit before... Let the players get off the court. You can do it a little more orderly fashion. Like, you know, remember that Tennessee-Alabama college football playoff game where all the Tennessee... I mean... Nothing really happened in that game except for, like, the field goal posts going in the river yeah. and stuff. But, I mean, the fans don't belong on the court, so I wouldn't say it's always good. But after a big upset, I, th-
1: I think it really depends, honestly. You can't be stupid about it. I agree. I think I don't think it's something that should be completely, like, banned. I mean, obviously colleges get fined mm-hmm. for it already. But um, putting, like, permanent ban and, like, measures in place to uh, completely prevent it. I I I don't I don't want to see that because I think court storming, you know, big upset games like that is exciting part of college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think there there should be like give give the players of the opposite team time to get off the floor, yeah, and somehow somehow do that or kind of just be aware if you're on that on the losing end of the yeah. game. And
0: I'm sure the home team really enjoys when all their students who've been supporting them all game and all year. Uh, come and congratulate them and like jump on them after they just put off a huge upset it's i mean it, it's really about the atmosphere in college
1: basketball, but it does get dangerous from time to time, of course, of course. and you know pla- player is player always should be like at the forefront of uh when you th- think of something like this but i don't i it's not so common this is kind of an outlier of something that happened. Yeah, I so agree. i th- I think we should be okay with it, yeah definitely.
0: Alright, moving on, local lens. Um UC kind of struggling
1: a little bit. Yeah, they're they're not looking too good. They're on a three game losing streak. Um obviously no absolutely terrible losses. Um but their tournament tournament odds are not looking good. Uh they're gonna have to do a lot of work in the big twelve tournament. Um they haven't had a completely like disappointing season. Yeah. But uh they have a future, too. They have they have a bunch of young, skilled players who can definitely, in the next few years, uh, push them over that edge. They do. But as far as this season, um, not looking like they're going to get into the tournament. They might get into the NIT, which, of course, um, you'll take rather yeah, than not. But definitely. but it's not not March.
0: And then Xavier um, lost three straight before a big win against DePaul, but DePaul... A win against DePaul is not saying too much. No, DePaul
1: falls at the bottom of the Big East, as they always are. And, uh, you know, usually looking at the schedule, people people mark DePaul as two free wins, basically. Yeah. So, um, obviously, it's a, a game that could maybe get Xavier on track right before the Big East tournament. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as helping their case to get in any type of tournament to end the season, it's it's not going to do much. And you're thinking – do you
0: think DePaul ever going to uh – get kicked from the big East or leave on their own because they are just
1: so bad. You know, I don't think so. They just fired their head coach. So maybe, maybe just give them time yeah. and, uh, maybe they'll, they'll get things together because to used to be a, a decent program. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, obviously they've fallen off the last decade and, yeah. um, you know, I don't, I don't see them getting kicked or asked to leave or anything. Yeah. It's not really something you see very often, but, uh, It'll it'll be interesting to see. They they might leave just for the interest of their yeah. their program, but
0: you know. Yep. Alright. I think that's all we got. So thank you for tuning in to the March Towards March. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in. Give me just a minute of your